The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Welcome to our time of worship and welcome to those of you who are joining us online. We're grateful that the Lord has gathered us today to study his word. My name is Jeff Long. I have the opportunity to serve here as the past lead pastor and opportunity to preach and to share from God's word week by week. This week we come to in our study of Genesis, Genesis chapter four. Let me just briefly review to you what the first three chapters of Genesis are laying out. They're laying out a pattern of scripture, creation, fall, redemption which sums up the the nature of God's story. And on a small scale, you see this repeated over and over again as you move through Genesis. So in Genesis chapter four, you're gonna see creation, new children. You're gonna see fall, the murder of Abel. And you're gonna see redemption as God continues the seed through Seth. So with that in mind, I invite you to join me as we read from God's word. I'm going to read Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and then verses 25 and 26. I invite you to stand as we acknowledge this is the word of God. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Let's pray. We come now, O God, our almighty God, and we call upon you. We call upon your goodness and your grace, and your love and your majesty, and your holiness and your righteousness. And we ask, oh God, that you would speak to us, not in how we want to hear you, but in how you have spoken. May your word have authority over our hearts and lives this day. May you come and bring salvation. May people call on the name of the Lord today. Lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. In this text... You have the tragedy of sin and the hope of promise. It would be very easy to outline this text from a man-centered perspective. 
But if you're paying attention when you study through and look at this text, even though an awful event takes place here, it's still a God-centered chapter. It begins that the Lord gives children. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So Eve did not just call on the fact that God had told him to be fruitful and multiply and that he told her that there would be pain in the childbirth, but she acknowledges that in what God has promised would come that, the, that this son, Cain, has come from the help of the Lord. That's what his name means, the Lord's help. Again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel has meaning as well. His name means breath or translated other places in the Old Testament as vanity. So what would that mean? Obviously, James, the idea in James 4.14 influenced Adam and Eve in the naming of Abel. For you are a mist, a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Speaking to the nature of life for this child as he's brought into the world. We're given the occupation of both these men, these brothers. Abel is a keeper of sheep and Cain is a worker of the ground. Now we transition to the fact that they both come and bring an offering to the Lord. Now, I just, I want that to stick in your mind here. This, this should affect us. Both of these people come to worship God. One of them does it entirely wrong. I'm sure sincere, but entirely wrong. First we see that the Lord receives the offering of Abel, but he rejects the offering of Cain. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Now, if you study elsewhere in the scripture, you're gonna find that it is acceptable to bring a grain offering to God. Cain, or Abel, brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Now, this obviously speaks to the nature of animal sacrifice, which dictated in the scripture will come down the firstborn and offering the best of the fat portions to God. Now, here's the question. Then. Is the Bible teaching us that God rejects Cain and accepts Abel because of the nature of their offering or is there something deeper happening here? Well, when you look at the, the two responses as to how God responds to these offerings, you'll see it if you pay attention. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, if it read this way, listen carefully. The Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but for Cain's offering, he had no regard. Now, if it read that way, you could conclude that the issue God has is the nature of the offering, but that's not what it says. For the Lord had regard for what? The person, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain, the person, and his offering, he had no regard. So why is that? Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 and we can gain some insight into why the Lord receives Abel's offering.
Hebrews 11:4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, and God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So the nature in which Abel comes and makes an offering to the Lord is by faith. He is trusting in and reflecting on who God is as he brings his offering. Or let me say it this way. Cain's not coming. I mean, Abel's not coming and say, look at what I've done. God, look at this incredible offering that I brought to you. Take notice how good this is. No, it's faith in God, in the Lord God. It's a desire to honor God and worship God that drives Abel to bring this offering. Now, the same is not true for Cain. Because Cain, unlike Abel, who brought his heart and then his sacrifice, Cain brought his sacrifice, but not his heart. In Psalm 51, we find this explanation. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we find it a very similar statement written from the other direction. It says, God opposes who? The proud. God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. A broken, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. So simply explaining it is this. Abel comes depending on God offering, making his offering. Cain comes depending on himself making his offering. And as a result, God rejects the arrogance of Cain. Now, if, this, if his arrogance was not obvious up to this point, now it becomes completely obvious in his reaction. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. It's the same language that's used of, the, of the, uh, the lawyer who approaches Jesus and Jesus tells him to go sell everything he had and give it to the poor. He says his face fell, loses expression. Doesn't just say Cain was angry. It says Cain was very angry. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will, not be, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and his desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Now think about this. Eve had been talked into her sin by the serpent. She's deceived and convinced. Cain is not approached by the serpent. Cain is approached by God himself and Cain will not be swayed. In fact, he's angry. He's very angry. Now he has no right to be angry because God can do as he pleases. God is not a prisoner to what I think. He's not a prisoner to what you think. The Lord's reply to him reveals God's grace. But Cain, in his response, or shows us who Cain is up obviously angry with. Cain's not mad at himself. 
Some of you are naturally wired that way. I, I'm kind of that way. I, I'm hard on myself. I get angry at myself when I'm stupid, and I'm stupid often, okay? So I get mad at myself quite a bit. Cain's not mad at himself. Cain's mad at God. But God, in his grace, seeks to reach this rebel and tells him that sin like a wild animal is about to taunt, pounce on him. God points out the anger in Cain's heart, but Cain's heart is hardened and he refuses to listen and ignores God. Verse eight, Cain spoke to his brother and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, when you put this together, here's what's happening or happens. When Cain speaks to his brother, the implication is He's telling his brother, let's go out to the field. And when they get to the field, Cain kills him. This is premeditated murder. They don't get out to the field and Cain reacts in a fit of rage. Cain plans to take him out to the field. Now, when you continue on in the story and God asks, where's your brother Abel? Here's the implication. Cain thinks he can get his brother outside of where God's at and do what he wants. And he murders him. Now, I just, I just want you to think a thought briefly. This is almost a sidebar. In Matthew 23, 25, Jesus tells us that, that, that Abel's the first martyr. That Abel is the first one who is persecuted and killed because of his faith. And, and what's happened to Abel has happened to followers of of, of Christ now for centuries and continues to happen today. First John chapter three speaks to this. First John chapter three, verse 12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So his brother's righteous act by faith pointed at the evil nature of what Cain was doing. So, so John says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. When we simply live our lives by faith in Christ, seeking to honor him in our daily lives, it brings light on darkness and darkness hates light. And it responds and will continue to respond with anger, hatred, and even murder. Now, 1 John 3 is going to drive much of your growth group discussion this week. As you think through and reflect on what God is saying to us. And it's not just about the persecution. That's, that's only a part of what's being said in 1 John. The wider context is this. That Jesus, our older brother, laid down his life for us. So we don't go the way of Cain and treat our brothers and sisters with anger and murder. We forgive and we love and we care for one another countercultural to the way the rest of the world would respond. Back to Genesis 3. The Lord now confronts and curses Cain. The Lord said to Cain, Where's your, where is Abel, your brother? Sounds similar to... Adam, Adam, where are you at? Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. 
That's a what? That's a lie. <laughs> Folks, it's never going to work out too good when you lie to God. Just a, he, he knows everything. He knew where Abel was. He knew. What, 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 he was, what he was seeking here was a confession. And even though Adam and Eve blame and argue, in the end, they both confess, I ate. There's no confession from Cain. There's no remorse from Cain. I don't know, he says. And then he smart mouths God. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for, for keeping up with was my brother. This reveals a calloused heart and how he responds to the Lord. Now what transpires from this point is reminiscent to the court of law that we saw in Genesis chapter three, if you will. It begins with an interrogation and then it moves to a sentence and an execution of the sentence. First, the curse. The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. So the shedding of his blood spilled out on the ground is crying out, is speaking to the Lord for the need of vengeance for what has transpired here. Cain cannot hide what he's done. Even if he tried, the blood of Abel speaks to the Lord and cries out for vengeance. Verse 11, now you were cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, I just want to point out a couple things in this section. Eve was talked into her sin. Cain cannot be talked out of his sin. He will not confess to his sin. And then when he's punished by God, he speaks an argument. He's remorseful over the fact that he's being punished, but he's not repentant. There's no, no remorse, no sorrow that his brother is dead. He's offended with God for what God's going to do to him. So he protests. And here's, here's, here's the core of his protest. You put me out like this, somebody's going to kill me. Isn't that a little ironic? I killed somebody and they might kill me. He's banished. From the fertile land, the scripture says that God put a mark on him. So I am speaking to a southern culture, and I don't know what your influence is. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you discount it. But the idea to place a racist mark on someone is wrong. And if you've ever heard that or been taught that, that is not true. Hear me, the mark is grace, not punishment. Think about it for a moment. The mark on Cain is what keeps him alive. 
God is being gracious to him. We're not told what the mark is, what it looks like. We don't know, but it was an evident mark to where people knew to leave Cain alone. Here's the punishment. The frightening punishment of verse 16. Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. That is scary. That God would send you away. And it says, it's a play on words in the Hebrew, he settled in the land of wondering, the land of Nod. That's what it means. East of Eden, outside of Eden. What follows in verses 17 through 24 is what I'm calling Cain's legacy. Cain knew his wife, I knew this would create the most discussion for me at Parkwood. I love you folks. Y'all are very technical with your Bibles. Okay, I love it. So where'd Cain's wife come from? Read the first few verses of Genesis chapter five. Adam lived 800 years and he had multiple sons and daughters. That's the logical solution. I'll just simply say it this way. God provided a wife and I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Here's here's what Cain does in your heart. Let's get hung up right here. I gotta have an answer to this. Where'd she come from? Is that God's point here, where the woman came from? No. God's point is Cain's heart and Cain's heart gets revealed when we get to arguing over something like where'd his wife come from? You tracking with me? So let's not worry about that. Let's move on. Now, it says she conceived and bore a son, Enoch, and he built a city. Now, that is not, you don't need to think city like we think. We just, human settlement. People came together and and lived together. Now, Cain lived a long period of time. Adam lived 800 years. The world was being populated. So these people gathered together in a city. Now, Cain has multiple generations that follow him that, that come down to Lamech, all right? Lamech is the seventh in the line of Cain. Enoch, not this Enoch. Enoch, the one who walks with God, is the seventh in the line of Seth. God's telling you something here. Now Lamech, he he has kids, all right? Jabel, who creates the business of raising farm animals, livestock. This man's an entrepreneur, multiplies how we do things. Jubal, if you're an Andy Griffith fan, Jubal, Jubal, Jubal. Jubal is the inventor of music, and I've heard people wail that music's from the devil. All right, what does he play? The lyre and the pipe. Have you ever read Psalms? I think they might play those two instruments. To say that music is from the devil is just a false thing. This is God's common grace. Aren't you glad people raise livestock today? Lunch is going to be good. Aren't you glad people have come up with musical instruments and the ability to play them? Tubal Cain, those of you part of a secret society, you know who that is. Tubal Cain, bronze and iron, technology. Technology is brought to bear. And, And because of bronze and iron, men have been able to 
build and accomplish incredible things. But, but if you study human history, bronze and iron also brought death and destruction. Because with the invention of weapons, men began to slaughter one another in some unthinkable ways. It all comes down to this poem or this song from Lamech. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. Now, he's the first polygamist, by the way, from the line of Cain. Listen to what I say. I've killed a man for wounding me, I, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. He's the first redneck who writes the first country song. If you're offended by that, he's the first African-American who writes the first rap song, whichever. He's proud of his sin and he sings about his sin. And here's what he says. This dude slapped me, so I killed him. Because here's how the world works. You do something to me and I'm gonna lay it on you 77 fold. Do you think maybe this was in Jesus' mind when he said, don't you forgive seven times. You forgive 70 times seven. We don't live in the way of Cain. We live in the, in the way of Christ and we reflect Christ in how we forgive and move forward. But this is man's culture. Man has accomplished a lot. It's called common grace. God makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He makes lost people and saved people smart. He gives creativity to both and they create, but the city of man will always, always, the city of man will result in destruction. Man will turn in on himself over and over and over again. But God, this is not the end of chapter four. There are two more verses. And in these two verses, the Lord faithfully continues the line of the offspring. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Now here's what's in her mind. What had been said to the serpent, that from the offspring, the offspring is coming, one who's gonna crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Now it appears with Cain that everything's lost. But what, what happens is God gives another son, Seth. And she names him God appointed. That's what it means. Now this points to a new beginning. The promise of redemption. Now Abel, I mean, excuse me, Seth has a son and names him Enosh. Now this is insightful. Enosh means weak or frail. So what do weak or frail people do? You know what they do? They call on the name of the Lord. God's doing something here. Cain is this arrogant man who pridefully brings his offering to God and rejects God's appeal and kills his brother. And then God provides God appoints, and from the one God appoints comes the one who is weak, and from his people, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Simply stated, friends, the Lord prevails. 
the Lord will prevail. So what does it mean to me and you in a world that's absolutely gone nuts? Nuts! I mean, I, I have gotten to where I don't even want to turn on the news. I don't even want to look at my Twitter feed because I don't want to know what's happened next. Do you understand the world's a powder keg right now? This man who's come of age and figured everything out and a comp boy, boy, we're doing great. In the midst of this world going crazy, I have two appeals to you. Number one, do not go the way of Cain. I'm in Jude 11. Jude 11, it's a little book right before Revelation. Revelation's the last book in your Bible. Let's go to Revelation, work your way back, you'll find Jude. Jude 11 starts with this ominous phrase, woe to them. That means judgment's coming. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. And I'm not going to explain Balaam's error and Korah's rebellion. I just want to focus on the way of Cain. They walked in the way of Cain. And if you put this in context of, of what God is saying through Jude, here's what you understand. That false teachers have, will, continue to arise who will rewrite the teachings of God in some subtle, slick ways to say this. You just define the faith on your terms. You see, folks, it's the message of the shack. Define it on your terms. It's the message of preachers who fill the airways. Just define faith on your terms. It's the message of the modern religion of America. It's the religion of sex that says, do what you want to. Define it on your terms with who you want to, when you want to, and how you want to. God bless the one who would stand and say something against it. Because the way of Cain fights back fiercely. The way of Cain hates to be pointed out. But you hear me. You hear me. Young people, it's the voice in your ear. the way of Cain. You just divine Christianity or just reject it altogether, whichever. You just define it the way you want to. Get away from these fundamentalist parents and preachers and you better run because you need to define it the way you want to. Who needs to judge you? You hear me on this. You hear me. God's going to judge the way of Cain. And woe to them. If you don't believe it, reread Genesis chapter four. Cain gets away with nothing. It may appear on the surface that he does, but Cain gets away from nothing. So what do you do? What do you do? You call on the name of the Lord. 
everyone, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now you gotta hear me here, those of you who grew up in the good old South, listen to partial Christianity preached to you on a regular basis. Here's the subtle message that the evil one has sent down in pulpits all around this part of the world. It goes like this. You go to church enough. You get a, give enough offerings, you're in. By the way, how'd that work out for Cain? He came to church, brought an offering. God rejected it. Does it mean all I got to do is say the name Jesus, 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 Jesus. You think some Christians think if they just say that word a hundred thousand times in their life, they're going to be saved. No. Does it mean this, that you pray a sinner's prayer? Is that what it means to call on the name of the Lord? Now it'll get real quiet and awkward for a moment. Is that what it means? By the way, where is the sinner's prayer? What chapter is that in? Man will always create means for man to define salvation on his terms. So what he'll do? He'll do it inside the church. Preach it, proclaim it, and share it. And deceive. When the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? It means to call on who God is. That God is righteous and holy. That he is merciful and loving. That he is the God alone who saves. Now Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24 reveals to us what it means to call on the name of the Lord. Hebrews 12, 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So Abel's blood never brings salvation. Abel's blood speaks something. It speaks it clearly. It still speaks it today. And so do all the people who have been murdered and killed either at the hands of an individual or by groups of individuals. The blood of Syrians cries out today, vengeance. While the rest of the world ignores it, and pretends it's not happening. Just like the blood of the Jews cried out in the 40s, vengeance. The blood of the mistreated cry out, vengeance. But the blood of Jesus does not cry out vengeance. Jesus Christ is not a martyr. Jesus Christ is the savior. You say, what's the difference? The difference is the blood of Jesus do not cry, does not cry vengeance. The blood of Jesus cries victory. I have crushed the head of Satan. I have won. And the blood shed on the cross at Calvary is the only way by which we are saved. 
Christ has won the victory. I'm not doing anything to win it. I'm not doing anything to improve it. My sin leads to death, and my death leads to hell. But thanks be unto God, who has purchased me, who has purchased all who would look to Christ and call on the name of the Lord Jesus and say, that is the only way to be saved. Friends, I'm at at this moment, I've been here all day. This This is what is crushing me on the inside. That I live in a city where people are going to hell and they think they're going to heaven. Because they are trusting in what they are doing. Cain trusted in what he was doing. Abel by faith came and made his offering and by faith and faith alone are we saved. This not of ourselves. It is the gift of God lest any one of you would boast. And here's how the boast goes. Well, I grew up in church. Oh, no, 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 no. God by his grace lets you grow up hearing the word. And to those man or woman that wandered in here today who knows nothing about Christianity, you hear me. God, by his grace, brought you in here today. God, by his grace, let you click on this link today. Call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Oh God, I, I come before you and my, my heart is broken. We live in a part of the world where churches dot the landscape, but the message of the gospel has got diluted and changed. And as you say in Galatians, that's not a gospel at all. That the good news is that Christ alone died for our sins in our place and by faith alone we come trusting in what he has done and what he has accomplished and when we by faith call on you confessing our sin and unlike Cain repenting of our sin and running to Christ you save us so I plead for men and women who both listening and present Oh God, that they would right now call on the name of the Lord. Oh God, save me. I trust in salvation through Jesus and him alone. And to those who have been saved, may we all together call on the name of the Lord and worship and honor and glorify your name together now. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.